grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We've reached a, a time in the church here where the gospel doesn't sound very gospel-y, if that's actually a word. It doesn't sound very comforting as we hear these words of our Lord as he, uh, he warns us about the false prophets that are to come and the, the tribulation that we're all in the middle of. It's not terribly comfortable and not very comforting from Christ. For these, these last three Sundays of the, of the church here, they focus all on the return of Christ. As the uh, pastor probably explained to you along the way, that the, the first half of the church here covers the, the life of Christ from, uh, from Advent on through his, his death and resurrection. In the second half of the church here, the time of the church, when we wear green, that's, uh, that's where we cover all the different doctrines of the church. And these last three Sundays kind of hone in on those, on those last days, the days when Christ will return. So we get some of these readings like this that, that don't necessarily sound comforting when you first take a look at them. But as you delve a little bit deeper, there really is a lot of comfort in those words. As we look around us today, it's hard to deny that well, maybe we are in these end times. And indeed, for the last 2,000 years, we've all been waiting for that return of Christ. For we know that there are earthquakes, fires, and floods, there are famines, there are wars and rumors of wars. Evil is called good, and good is called evil. And there certainly are no shortage of those who claim to be a false Christ. When we look at, at history, each generation has that very same thought. We all say, surely Christ is going to return in our lifetime as they look at the things that are around them. Each and every one of them has said, said that for the last 2,000 years. And that isn't necessarily a bad thing, is it? We all want to live our lives expecting that Christ is going to return sometime very soon. That's a good way to live our lives. But we know that it's been heightened at certain times throughout the years now. Not too long ago, Y2K, remember that? In the year 2000, we all thought the world was going to end, all the computers were going to crash, and the, and the gas pumps were going to stop working, and our ATMs were going to work, and our banks were going to fall apart. We all thought that was going to happen, and it didn't. Since we're all still here. We know that uh, they, there was that big fuss about the Mayan calendar. Remember that? They all said the Mayan calendar was coming to an end, and that meant that the return of Christ was going to happen. There's never a shortage of those who say, well, Jesus is going to return on this day. Anytime somebody says that, you can go ahead and ignore them, because nobody knows the day, nobody knows the hours, is what they're saying. So feel free to ignore any of those people who say that kind of stuff. And our main focus this morning, as we look at that, that end times, time of life, we have a nice, clear warning about false gods. happened, they all witnessed it, they were all a part of it. 
a, it's a, a transliteration of that, that word in Greek, uh, Christos. And that's, that's actually a translation of the word Messiah in Hebrew, which actually means the anointed one, the chosen one, God, that, the one that God has selected to be his, his savior to save people from their sins. So there are a lot of people that claim that title of anointed ones. I hear that language a lot in some other churches. That's the advantage of being a, a chaplain like that. You get to talk to a lot of people in a lot of different faiths, and a lot of different denominations. And there are a whole lot of people that claim to be anointed ones. And it makes me awfully nervous to, to hear that kind of talk. Because it's this false Christ, this false anointed one. But there's no shortage of those that claim to be the Messiah. They either convince people to put their faith in the wrong person or to put their faith in their ability to keep the law. You see, faith always requires an object. You have to have faith in something. You can't just have faith. You have to have faith in something. It requires something for you to grab hold of, something for you to put your faith and your trust in. But this is how we're able to discern that difference between the true Christ, that is Jesus, and the false Christ. I've heard a lot of people say that all religions are the same. I'm sure you've heard that as well. That there's no difference between all the religions of the world. They all teach the same thing. You may have heard that in a Bible class in college once or twice, or heard your friends or your, your relatives say that same thing. That... Well, they're, they're all the same, really. And I'll say that there are many paths to God. And this is one of those half-truths of the devil. The devil likes the deal in half-truths. It's not totally true. It's kind of true. There's a little element of truth to it. But there's a whole lot of false to it, which really negates everything. When you look at the law, the differences among the religions... Well, they seem to fade away, don't they? That's from a law perspective. When you look at the law, particularly when you look at that second table of the law, there's very little difference. The second table, uh, hopefully you know that that means first table deals with, with God, our relationship with God. Second table deals with our relationship to one another, how we treat one another, telling us not to kill, not to steal, not to commit adultery, not to bear false witness, not to covet. When we look at those things, a lot of the religions do start to fade away. They start to fade into one kind of a, a big lump. Because all the religions teach that same thing. And even if it's permitted in that religion, their heart tells them something different. Their heart tells them that's wrong. They know in their heart that it's wrong to do those things. Because the scriptures tell us that the laws of God are written on the hearts of men. So it's no surprise that, that those things look alike when you look across all the religions of the world. And all of these false Christs, they will tell you that they have received some sort of special revelation from God apart from scriptures. And that's why it's only when we are rooted in the word of God that we're able to discern these false Christs. We can tell the difference between the true ones and the false ones. That's the great aspect of the, the one-year series that the, the pastor has you doing. You really get to know those, those, those passages really, really well. 
And it's a, a great discipline for your pastor as well, because the first year he can pull all the, the low-hanging fruit, he can get the easy stuff out of the passages. But each year as it goes on, he's got to dig deeper and deeper and deeper. I don't know about the, the Pastor Yeager, but every time I look at my old sermons, I think, well, this is garbage. You wrote this thing, and I throw it away, and I start again from the beginning. But when we look at this thing subjectively, when we look at it from in here, we make things worse all on our own. We make our own false Christ and allow them to rule our hearts and our minds. We think about those Israelites who just watched all this miraculous stuff and then they turn to the false gods. How many times do we hear that wonderful, beautiful gospel that tells us that we are forgiven in Christ and all we have to do is Put our faith and our hope and our trust in Him, and He's forgiven all of our sins and washed us clean in the blood of the Lamb. And yet, what do we do to get comfort on our own? We turn to all sorts of false gods, don't we? Unless you've been living under a rock in the last year or so, you've been listening to a lot of politicians talk, haven't you? And how many of them, on both sides, have said, well, they're almost like a false Christ. If you put your hope and your trust in me, I will make all of your troubles go away. If you put your hope and your trust in me, I will I will get rid of this pandemic that is around us. If that's even possible. If you put your hope and your trust in me, all of your economic worries will disappear. Both sides are guilty of doing the same thing. And even those third and fourth party candidates that are out there, they will say the same thing from their position, that they too will make all of our problems disappear if we just put our hope and our trust in them. And then we take it the next step further, and we we say that the guy who voted for the other person, they're the evil ones. They're the ones that are racist. They're the ones that are dumb. They're the ones that are whatever start going down that path farther and farther. The world as we know it is going to end because the other guy won and our guy lost. But we remind ourselves when we come here that God is firmly in control of the kingdom of the left and the kingdom of the right. Both kingdoms. Have you heard that term before? The kingdom of the right and the kingdom of the left? The two kingdoms? That God rules over the church in the kingdom of the right, where he offers us grace and forgiveness through the blood of Christ. And he also rules in the kingdom of the left, that is, through the government, where he provides for all of our needs and keeps us safe through all of these things. And he, and he said this even at the time of the Romans. If you think about that, that's something close to what we're dealing with now. But God is firmly in control of both of those. For there is no power except that which is granted from above. And for whatever reason, God has allowed, well, I'm not really sure, yes, but God has allowed Biden to win, we think. We're not sure. But however, politics has truly become a new religion. It truly has become a new religion that has laid claim uh, or has, has a claim, claim to hold a solution for all of the problems 
stands there before the grave. We have that shortest verse in the entire scripture, Jesus wept. And he stood before the grave and he said, Lazarus, come out. That's exactly what he's going to do to you and me as well. He's going to stand there before your grave and say, come out. And you will. There we will be united with Christ and with all the believers who have come before us. Well, we often think that, that heaven is the goal of our, of our faith. But that's just the, that's the temporary spot where we wait, where our souls wait to be unified with our body. Because Christ loves all of you, not just your soul, all of you, every, every aspect of you. And all of that will be restored in the last day. It will be restored in a body that is without sin, that is without corruption, without disease. It won't grow old. It won't get achy when you wake up in the morning. You won't forget names and places and things like that. It's going to restore all of us. And your whole person will be united with Christ in the new heavens and the new earth on that last day when Christ returns. But there truly are many who attempt to lead us astray. For most, it's a matter of trying to separate you from your hard-earned dollars. For others, it is a matter of seeking power and influence. There's a lot of money to be had in the guise of, of ministry. And it's amazing how many public servants are now multi-millionaires. At the same time, remember that your laborer is worthy of his wages. Be sure to take care of your pastor. Be sure he's not in want, so he's not tempted to leave and, and do other things that will lead him astray. See, I can get away with saying that since I'm listening. But at the same time, there are strict warnings against those who lead people astray. From Matthew 18, it tells us, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, that is, to stumble, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Pray for and encourage your pastor. Because I know passages like this weigh heavily on him every time he steps into this pulpit. You are truly blessed to have a faithful steward of the mysteries of God serving as your pastor. As is proper, you are continually pointed to Christ and his forgiveness. Yet as we look at this chaos around us, chaos in the world that we live in, there is only one way, only one place for us to turn for comfort and peace. We look within ourselves, it just isn't going to work. It's going to fail. It's going to let us down. We cannot look for the fleeting things in the world around us. But we can and we ought to look to Christ, who is and who was and who is to come. The same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.